0: Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 44 through 48. It's also at page 69 of the New Testament section of your pew Bibles. Then Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Please pray with me. God, open our minds to the scriptures today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. During the headlining set by rappers Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre at the Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival last Sunday, a surprise guest showed up and stole the show. Tupac Shakur's appearance was a very, very big surprise, seeing as he's been dead for 15 years. The very convincing Tupac image was created on a computer, piecing together physical characteristics and movements from the performances recorded before the rapper's death. In other words, It was a hologram. The audience was, according to one article, surprised, delighted, and creeped out. The rapper actually greeted the audience. Hello, Coachella. Although he'd never said those words. He'd never performed at Coachella. The festival didn't start until three years after he died. The NPR news commentators wondered if this voice was an actor- wearing a hologram suit, as they put it. Whatever it was, you can be certain that no one in the audience believed that they were seeing and hearing the actual Tupac Shakur returned from the dead. The disciples didn't believe it either. In this morning's passage in Luke's Gospel, we're told that the disciples are startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. And so Jesus shows them, look, I'm the same Jesus you knew and loved. He shows them the wounds in his hands and feet, and he sits down and eats some fish with them. Ghosts and holograms don't eat fish. Only real people do. In his presence, they finally get it, that all along, God wanted everyone everywhere, to understand God's loving, two-part plan for saving God's creation. First, repentance, which is shorthand for come back to God and God's love, quit wandering off into territory where love is not the most important thing on your agenda. And two, forgiveness of sins, our own and other people's because forgiveness is the only way we can get along peacefully with each other after we mess things up, which we inevitably will do. Jesus says the disciples are witnesses to this, this two-part plan and to the resurrection that is its exclamation point. And they are to proclaim it. The Holy Spirit will come, that, that is what happens on Pentecost, And then they will have the power to do what they need to do. So in essence, Jesus is saying, over to you. In this story, Jesus not only turns things over to the disciples, he sets the pattern for discipleship and for proclaiming God's plan in a couple of important ways. First, belief grows out of doubt. Belief and doubt are not opposites, but in order for people to act on their beliefs in the face of their doubts, they need to see something, to experience something real. Jesus invited the disciples to touch him. He ate with them. He gave them very concrete physical proof, and they were transformed. We are not so different from those people 2,000 years ago. For the people in our world to believe the message of the love that Christ brings, that we are to bring in his name, they need to see it in very real, very concrete ways. Theology is good. Theology is important. Church doctrines are good. They were hammered out over centuries of faithful study and prayer. But theology and doctrine will not transform anyone if people cannot see God's love and Christ's teachings in the church in more real, more immediate ways. There are many ways here at First Presbyterian that we strive to get real about God's love, to communicate to our own community and to the world beyond that we are disciples of the same risen Christ that ate fish and showed his wounds. We show it with our winter shelter, which wound up just a week ago last Friday. With the meals we take to the Mill Street shelter all year long. With the ministry of our deacons, who visit the sick, give financial aid to folks in crisis, help students buy their books, many other things. With our work for justice in Israel-Palestine, with our work for full inclusion of gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered folks in our church and the larger church, and many other ways. But I want to focus in particular on a couple of ways we strive to get real because of what is happening here today, in real life, in real time. First, as Diana mentioned it, today we will celebrate the sacrament of baptism. Baptism is the way that we announce You are a part of this church family and a part of the larger family of the church in the world. When we baptize a child, we as a congregation promise to welcome that child and nurture her in the faith. We promise to be her extended family. Recently, one of our young people who's now in college wrote to me, First Presbyterian Church of San Anselmo is my home. I have basically grown up there. For me, it was youth group and being really involved with that, and also that the church helped me out when I needed it. Nurturing kids, of course, means nurturing their families. We call the second pastor, Diana, to express in a very real way our ongoing commitment to children, youth, and families. But it takes a village, doesn't it? A way for us to get real with God's love is to be intentional about fulfilling the vows that we make as a congregation during baptism. This means getting to know the children in our congregation, getting to know their families, and learning more about what it's like to raise children in Marin in 2012. A second way we strive to show the love of God in real concrete ways might seem at first to be unrelated to baptism, but it's not, and it might seem at first to have nothing to do with Christ's message, but it does. Today is Earth Day. A number of years ago, our congregation made a commitment to global stewardship, which includes stewardship of this blue-green planet Earth. This commitment is related to baptism because we can't nurture future generations if we are not caring for the future of the planet that we will pass on to them. It is related to Christ's message because when Jesus opened the disciples' minds to the scriptures in today's passage, he was saying that there is continuity between the Hebrew scriptures that we call the Old Testament and his teachings, Jesus stood firmly rooted in the Old Testament tradition that the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, as the psalmist wrote, that God created this good earth for our use and care, and we are to be good stewards of those gifts. Here at First Presbyterian, we express our real commitment to the stewardship of creation in a number of ways, we have what is probably the largest solar panel array of any church in California, maybe the United States. We should check that out. It's right up there on our roof, soaking up the sunshine and making electricity. We have a green team, which recently, thanks to Dave Jones, took an inventory of our trash. Dave did a little dumpster diving. In order to see how we can reduce our waste through more recycling and composting. While Jesus didn't have to worry about global warming or the ways that we poison the planet, I am convinced that he would add caring for God's creation to the list of areas needing some personal and societal repentance. I heard a story about a whale on the radio yesterday as I was driving along I-5. It isn't a new story, it was about something that happened in 2005. A female humpback whale, as big as a school bus, had become snared in crab pot lines while traversing the usual migratory route between the Northern California coast and Baja California. A rescue team was thrown together quickly to deal with the situation. The rescuers didn't think that there was much hope. They said they thought they were looking at a dead whale. She wouldn't let the boat get close to her, so the divers jumped into the water to get near enough to cut the nylon ropes that were ensnaring her. The four divers spent about an hour cutting the ropes, and this is a risky undertaking since a single flip of the 50-ton mammal's tail could easily have killed any of them. The diver who cut the rope near the whale's mouth said her eyes followed him the whole time. Eventually they freed her, and in an instant the whale disappeared. But then one diver saw her barreling toward him from below. He thought he was a goner. But the whale slowed and came close to him and looked at him with her grapefruit-sized eye, And then she bumped his chest gently three times. And then she did the same thing to each of the other divers. The divers were convinced that the whale was saying thank you. Now yesterday, this story was followed by a new commentary from an animal psychologist who said the divers were just projecting human emotions onto another species. But one diver said, he would never be the same. I will take this to the grave, he said, that she was expressing gratitude. Was the whale saying thank you? We may never know for certain. But what we do know is this. Being there, experiencing the real whale, made all the difference. The divers were transformed. Susan Andrews writes, On Sunday morning in contemporary America, modern disciples come straggling through the church door, weighed down by cynicism, stress, pretense, power. They are sophisticated lawyers and skeptical scientists and shell-shocked journalists. She pastored a church in Bethesda. That's probably a pretty accurate description. Skilled practitioners in the seductions of the world, she writes, but nervous novices in the realm of the spirit. They, like the first disciples, yearn for the living presence of God. In their objective world of fact and truth and matter and money, the church's world of mystery and meaning and risk and relationship seems silly. And so they are eager to discuss and debate the idea of God, but unprepared to experience or recognize the presence of God. They do not yet realize that it will only be through pounding hearts and burning hearts that they will come to believe, that they will come to recognize Jesus. Pounding hearts, burning hearts, transformation. These come only when things get real. May God help us to be the fleshy, transformative, real presence of Christ to each other, to our community in San Anselmo, and to the world. Amen.